Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for October 16th. I'm Melissa Davlin. We're less than three weeks to the election, and here at Idaho Reports, we've gotten a number of questions about the constitutional amendment that's on the ballot. Idaho Public Television Associate Producer Logan Finney joins me today to talk about what it is and why the legislature wanted to make this change. Hi, Logan. Hi there, Melissa. Can you give me a rundown of what this amendment does? Because I was on maternity leave when this passed the legislature, and I had to get up to speed, too. Sure, absolutely. Um, So to make a long story short, the state constitution here in Idaho um, sets the number of senators in the legislature at between 30 and 35, and then the state is divided into that number of legislative districts, so between 30 and 35 legislative districts. It's been 35 for the last 10 years since the last census, and I believe longer than that. Um, But basically, there are concerns that in the next redistricting after the 2020 census, uh, it's possible that that could drop to below 35 districts. So what precipitated this concern that we might get fewer than 35 legislative districts in the 2020, I guess it would be the 2030 redistricting round? The 2020 census is happening. It just wrapped up the count this week. Um, And then once that is finished and everything's finalized, they are going to draw new legislative district maps. And um, there are a couple of competing priorities when one is drawing district maps. Um, There's the principle of one person, one vote, which arose from some Supreme Court rulings in the 60s, the, the United States Supreme Court, not the state Supreme Court. Um, And that means that when states are drawing their districts, they have to be roughly equal in population. So, you know, each district needs to have about the same number of people in it. There is a competing priority where you are supposed to keep communities of interest together. So that means you are not supposed to split counties in half if you can avoid it. You're supposed to keep, you know, you're supposed to keep like communities together because it's assumed that those communities know each other and are, are going to be electing a representative together. Um, And so there's concern that with the population growth that the state has seen in the last 10 years with urban areas getting more population and some rural, you know, rural areas not growing as fast, that means that um, in order to keep those communities of interest together to avoid splitting up counties and drawing weird lines that when the redistricting commission meets, they're going to have to drop it below 35 in order to, you know, strike a balance between those two, those two uh, priorities. So that's the argument for not going less than 35 districts, but as they're futzing around with the constitution, why stick to 35? Why not go to 40 or give it a range like exists right now in the constitution? Um, well, <laughs> that's a good question. That's kind of been the, the question that everyone's having. Um, you know, if you, if you drop below 35, then it it exacerbates some problems that we're already seeing with the current map. Um, but, you know, you could raise it up to 40, you could raise it up to 45, and that's actually what some, what some people are calling for. The, the state Republican Party platform calls for district number up to 45. Um, but, you know, the way constitutional amendments work is they have to pass through the legislature, and then, like we're seeing this fall, there's a, a, a vote by the people on the ballot. And so we would need to come to an agreement to what that higher number should be. You know, it could be 45, it could be 40. Um, There's ranges that we could go with. And so um, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but the the vibe that I got from the legislative leadership is the least we can do right before the census is finished is lock it in at 35 so it doesn't drop down below 
And then later we can come back and, and have that detailed discussion about what that higher number should be. Logan, you mentioned a couple issues that exist with the current map. Can you elaborate on what those are? Sure. Um, so in Idaho, you know, we hear a lot about, especially down here in the Treasure Valley, we hear a lot about growth and populations are growing, but they're not growing evenly across the state. They're growing in cities like Boise and Caldwell and Nampa, Twin Falls, Idaho Falls, Coeur d'Alene. And so if you pull up the existing legislative district, for our listeners, you know, as long as you're not driving, pull your phone out or your computer out and just Google Idaho legislative districts. And it's like one of the first links will take you to a PDF map. If you look at some of the districts like District 8 in the middle of the state covers a number of very big counties. Same with District 7. You can say the thing, same thing about 35. So we've got these really big, really sprawling districts, rural districts, that are sometimes not so affectionately referred to as helicopter districts because the, the joke there is a lawmaker would have to take a helicopter from one side of the district to the other to visit all of their constituents. And then on the opposite side, we have these very, very small, very dense urban districts. So if you look at the Treasure Valley, Canyon County has districts 10 through 13, and Ada County has districts 14 through 22. So in these urban areas, it's very dense and very compact. You could walk from one side of District 15 to the other side of District 15 in less than an hour, whereas you've got District 7 that goes all the way from the bottom of Idaho County up and takes out a chunk of southwestern Bonner County. So in Bonner County, where I grew up on the northern side, all my representatives were from District 1, Boundary and Bonner, and everyone was pretty close by. But if you lived just on the other side of the lake in Sagal, your representatives are from Grangeville and Riggins. So it, that just kind of illustrates the, the massive sprawl of these counties. And there are some legislative districts that you can't even stay on the same road to drive through, right? In order to drive from one side of District 8, which starts in Emmett, all the way to the other side of District 8, which I think is Ledore, um, uh, you know, in eastern Idaho, you, ha you have to leave your district. In some cases, you, these, these, um, districts span different time zones too. So they're completely different situations and very, very different populations that are within these sprawling rural districts. Yeah, absolutely. And this is based on the census from 10 years ago. So if you think about the growth that we're seeing, even more growth in the Treasure Valley, even more growth in Idaho Falls and Twin Falls, you know, if you, if you look at the map, District 33 is basically just the city of Idaho Falls, a little donut in the bigger District 30, or Twin, uh, Twin Falls is just a little donut district in, well, not quite a donut, but you know what I mean, in Districts 24 and 25. And so as the cities get more and more dense, more cities in the state are going to look like Boise, where you have five plus districts all close together, and then these Big, count, big districts like seven and eight are just gonna get bigger and bigger with more and more counties in them. And so it's gonna really cause a divide between you know, the, ur the urban areas and the rural areas of the state is, is the concern. And to be clear, this isn't a new concern in Idaho. It wasn't that long ago that we had our last redistricting battle. I guess it, it doesn't feel that long for me after sitting in those redistricting commission meetings endlessly in the Capitol in 2011 and 2012, and the Supreme Court battle that followed that first map that came out. I mean, that was, that was a nightmare when that happened, and that was less than 10 years ago. And the way Idaho has 
done redistricting has changed in the past. We used to have floatarial districts. We used to divvy our lawmakers up by county. So it's not unprecedented for these changes to happen. And it's not out of the blue that lawmakers might be concerned about these potential changes. Definitely. So the, the amendment that's on the ballot this fall passed the legislature fairly overwhelmingly, but there, there were a few holdouts, like uh, Representative Giddings from District 7 said that she wanted a, a resolution that matched the, the, state, the state GOP platform to bring it up to 45. You had uh, Representative Scott from District 1 who said that she would like to see us return to a system where each county elects a senator to, you know, to kind of break up that rural-urban divide. Um, although I would note that that is not constitutional under the, uh, the Supreme Court cases from the 60s that I mentioned earlier. All right, Logan Finney, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Melissa. And just a reminder, our third and final candidate Q&A airs Friday night at 8 p.m. on Idaho Public Television with Republican incumbent U.S. Senator James Risch, Democrat Paulette Jordan, and Independent Natalie Fleming. These aren't traditional debates due to the need for COVID distancing. We tape the interviews separately via Zoom, and as with all programs like this, there's never enough time to get to all the important topics we'd like to discuss. Still, we hope that their answers make you feel more informed as you cast your ballots. This q and plus the previous ones with candidates from Congressional Districts 1 and 2 are also available on our website at IdahoPTV.org, as well as on our podcast platforms. Watch next week for an Idaho Reports podcast discussion on magistrate judges, why they're on the ballot, and why you probably can't find much information on them. Thanks for listening. For Idaho Reports, I'm Melissa Davlin.